0: Just one day after a suspicious package was found at George Soros' Westchester home, another suspicious package was intercepted on its way to the Clintons. Westchester home. Another suspicious package sent to Barack Obama, Eric Holder, John Brennan at CNN for some reason, even though he doesn't work there. Lots of suspicious packages. We will analyze what it means, who it's likely from. Is it a lunatic or is it a dirty trick? This is very close to the midterm elections. The timing is curious. Then Democrats have finally settled on a pre-midterm election message. This one is really innovative, really creative. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Then Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota can't catch a break. President Kofefe mercilessly trolls former community organizer Barack Obama, and a full quarter of American college students have PTSD symptoms following the 2016 election. Drink up those tears. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If only I had. My leftist here's Tumblr. I'm on the road. The Kofefe on Campus tour chugs along. It rolls along here. I'll be at Grand Canyon University tonight. Uh, will be. I'll be speaking here at 7 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Pacific rather. 10 p.m. Eastern, should be a lot of fun, can't wait to talk to the kids. Then we're heading on down to South Dakota, then we're going to Alabama, we got a lot going on this week. Uh, And I'm glad that we're able to do the show on the road because people are now sending bombs in the mail. This is not very good, we don't know anything about who sent them, uh, but we will try to analyze first. Let's make a little money, honey. Speaking of uh, these sorts of things, let's talk about BattleBox. Oh, I've told you about BattleBox, a, a fabulous advertiser a wonderful thing especially for men you know so many of these subscription boxes you subscribe and i don't know they give you like hotel room soaps or something. It's a little dainty, not exactly for men. This is great. You know, a lot of those boxes from other companies are full of junk, they're full of samples or whatever. Battle Box is a monthly subscription for men who understand that it is their mission and responsibility to be prepared for any situation. These things are so cool. I think I told you when we got it, it had all these knives and camping equipment and all this sort of thing. I'm like chasing Drew around the office with a machete. Uh, It's a lot of fun. It's your monthly subscription. Uh, for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. You can try it right now at trybattlebox.com slash NOLDS, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is T-R-Y-B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X dot com slash Don't you put an E in trybattlebox.com. You will not get where you want to go. Uh, they start at just 25 bucks per month. It is a great value, and there is really, really cool stuff in there. Uh, right now, our listeners get a free tactical knife when you sign up for your first battle box at trybattlebox.com slash Knowles, I have the knife. It is super cool, man. I really like this thing. Uh, get it. It's free. Don't be stupid. Trybattlebox.com slash Knowles. Right now, you get your first battle box plus a free tactical knife at trybattlebox, batt com slash Knowles, Moving from knives onto bombs, we have to talk about these... Uh, many suspicious packages sent around. It was discovered that they did have explosive uh, material in them. Pretty rudimentary, not very sophisticated. Nevertheless, I think the one that was sent to George Soros's house was detonated. Uh, nobody was hurt. Nobody has been hurt, which is why I'm allowed to joke about this, and I'm very pleased that I can. If someone had been hurt, it would be such a downer. One, it would be a very bad thing. We don't want to have acts of domestic terrorism in our country, well, beyond the acts of domestic terror perpetrated by Antifa and the left, you know, elected Democrats telling people to go to Republicans' homes, uh, harass them, where their children sleep, that kind of thing. We don't want any more acts of civil unrest or political violence in America. The timing here is really, really weird. We're, what are we, 13 days away from the midterm elections for the last two weeks, the news cycles have had the headlines, Democrats, mob, violence... Now all of a sudden, all of these attacks come out. I'm not take off your tinfoil hats. I'm not saying that this is some grand conspiracy. I'm not saying George Soros sent bombs to himself or anything like that. I'm just saying the timing is pretty weird. There are a lot of weird political dirty tricks on both sides of the aisle that happened. Uh, that happened as we approach elections, and uh, so I want to know who this is, who this guy is, who sent it. Uh, what the motivations were. I don't think we should jump to any conclusions whatsoever. This is what happens. We did a whole episode the other day on how when uh, people in politics get angry, people in politics go mad. And when people in politics go mad, they get stupid. Don't get stupid. Don't get passionate. Stay cool. Stay removed. I got to tell you, President Trump and the White House and Vice President Pence are handling this perfectly. I'll show you this clip, then we can compare it to how the Democrats have reacted to other acts of political violence in the United States. Take it away, President Trump.
1: The full weight of our government is being deployed to conduct this investigation and bring those responsible for these despicable acts to justice. We will spare no resources or expense in this effort. And I just want to tell you that in these times we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America.
0: Exactly right. This is exactly the right response. Compare that to what we've heard over the last two weeks from Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters, a little earlier than that, Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, who says, when Republicans go low, kick them. Hillary Clinton, who says, you can't be civil, who called half the country deplorable and irredeemable. Maxine Waters, who explicitly said, go out there, harass conservatives where they are in the street, where they sleep. Additionally, where they sleep. You had Cory Booker saying, get up in the faces of congressmen. Uh, this was the right response from President Trump, and it stands in stark contrast to how Democrats have been re- reacting to political violence that we know is motivated, uh, has political and partisan motivations. So what do we make of this? This is pretty weird. I actually lived, I grew up right down the road from where George Soros lives and uh, where the Clintons are. Uh, I didn't know at the time that Hillary was my fourth cousin, twice removed, so I never had to sit through any Thanksgiving dinners with her uh, mirabile dictu. So what what can we make of this? We Before we try to analyze the motivations, let's try to analyze what the effect of this is, what this looks like from the outside perspective. Let's assume that the person sending the bombs is rational, which is a bizarre, you know, that's a tough assumption to make. He could just be a total lunatic. Very likely is. But let's say the person is rational. What is the effect of sending the bombs? You've got a midterm elections that were supposed to be a blue wave where the polls have turned all in the direction of Republicans and conservatives in recent weeks. You've got Uh, headlines for the last two weeks all about Democrat political violence. You're now 13 days away. In what way, if this were sent by a conservative, in what way would this help conservatives? All this would do is uh, turn the momentum, it possibly turn the momentum back against conservatives and Republicans in favor of the left. All it would do is undercut what we've seen for weeks and weeks, and even longer than that, if you go back to the election of Donald Trump, of political violence from the left. So, as a matter of politics, this sort of stunt would only benefit Democrats and left wingers, and it would only harm conservatives and Republicans. If uh, this person is rationally motivated why now? Why would they send uh, these rudimentary bombs now? Uh, Wouldn't they send them, I don't know, after uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, I don't know, after Maxine Waters, this is a better example. Maxine Waters actually called for political violence. Uh, Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder, they can kind of uh, walk a line and say, oh no, we didn't quite do it. Wouldn't they have sent, if they were motivated uh, because of the calls for violence from the left, wouldn't they have sent them weeks ago, months ago? It it seems like they would have. If they were motivated to advance a political agenda, wouldn't they have sent them when there was an actual political agenda on the line, when there actually were the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh, for instance, when it looked like uh, Kavanaugh was going to get railroaded in his confirmation process? Wouldn't they send it when it looked like conservatives were losing, when it looked like there was something really to gain from it? So they don't gain anything in that regard. So then let's examine the other one, which is that it's not a dirty trick. It's not some rational actor. It's a lunatic, which seems to make a fair amount of sense. We know that one of these packages was sent to John Brennan, former CIA director, former uh, communist voter. He voted for Gus Hall in the 1970s, an awful leftist who has been... uh, Pitiless and absurd and hysterical in his condemnation of President Trump and the Republicans. He was a political hack. He should never have gotten the job under Barack Obama in the first place. Now he's made himself into a Twitter celebrity attacking the president. Okay. They sent the package to him, care of CNN. But John Brennan works at MSNBC. He's an MSNBC contributor. So I don't under I mean, that, I guess that could be a mark in favor of the person is a total lunatic. The return address was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So they're trying to make clear all of these packages going out within a couple of days of each other. The return address, the person who is sending this is clearly trying to make it apparent to everybody that this is aimed at Democrats. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was the former head of the Democrat National Committee. Now, interestingly, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was also the head of the DNC when the uh, primary election was unfair to Bernie Sanders and was favorable to Hillary Clinton. Okay. Um, A lot of these are Obama holdovers, obviously the Clintons, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Okay. Okay. I don't see a political motive for a right-winger. So I, I predict if it, if it is a right-winger, it is a true Looney Tune. I mean, you, you will see tinfoil hats and uh, uh, wacky behavior, even wackier and less, less explainable than engaging in political violence. Could it be a dirty trick? Yeah, anything's possible. Anything's possible. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying that it's likely that it is. What I'm saying is reserve your judgment until we find out who this person is. There is clearly a political motivation if this person is rational. There is clearly convenient timing here if this person is rational. Reserve your judgment until we find out what happens. President Trump said it very well. He said, we have got to bring this person to justice. We gotta find out who it is, bring them to justice. There's no place for this in American politics. That's true regardless of their political motivations. That's true regardless of their ideological affiliation just wait and see. I, we One should always urge caution in these kinds of things because especially right before elections, they are, they are often designed to elicit an emotional response. Don't give it to them. Don't fall into that trap. Okay. Uh, regardless of uh, who sent the bombs and what the bombs mean and what the bombs really are, uh, President Trump yesterday, he extolled the virtues of nationalism over globalism. And this has elicited a Obviously, a violent response from the left, but it has elicited violent rhetoric as well. Uh, Now, he said, I am a nationalist. I think this was the first time. Uh, He's talked about nationalism a lot, but he said it so explicitly. He made a point that this is the thesis. I am a nationalist. And what does that mean? You know, we had Yoram Hazani, who has that great book out, The Virtue of Nationalism. And... uh, Nationalism is pitted against globalism, nationalism saying that the world order, the Westphalian system, the nation-states that we have are the best system to preserve liberty, freedom, and prosperity. Maybe it's not the most peaceful. Sometimes nations go to war with each other, but it preserves liberty as opposed to globalism, in in which people and their communities and their states and their countries cede their sovereignty and their freedom to supranational institutions that don't have any particular allegiance to them or their families or their communities. Uh, This is like the European Union, we could say, or the uh, International Criminal Court. Uh, That's the difference. And Trump says, between those two things, we're not ceding our freedom, we're not ceding our liberty. I am defending the, the American founding and what has led us. To so much peace and prosperity and liberty and enjoyment for hundreds of years, I'm defending the nation. How do you think the Democrats responded? How do you think Democrats and CNN responded to this? Here is Democrat Congressman Gregory Meeks uh, uh, interpreting the real meaning of this statement in just one second. Before we get to that, I've got to make a little more money, honey. How's that for a cliffhanger? Hmm? Uh, We've got to thank Candid... Co- I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me, you're saying, Michael... You don't have many virtues. You're not a great Adonis of a man, fair enough. I grant that. But look at these teeth. Look at these teeth. Look at these shine, these pearly white teeth. I have got to thank Candid Co. Uh, you do not go, need to go through the hassle or long-term treatment of wire braces. When I was a kid, I looked you know, awful because I had these metal braces on and they're very awkward. You don't have to go through that. There are now uh, new services like Candid Co. Straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months, and they cost 65% less than braces. It makes it so easy. Candid makes clear aligners that are sent directly to your home and are customized specifically for you to straighten your teeth. They fix crooked teeth crowding, protrusion, and gaps. Uh, The first step is to purchase the modeling kit. It'll be sent to your home. You can take impressions of your teeth. After you send it back, uh, Candid's network of orthodontists review your specific case and provide you with a 3D preview of what your treatment will look like. You'll get your plan. You've got a real orthodontist. It's the main reason that you got to love Candid, is you're not dealing with some fa- faceless service. You're dealing with an actual orthodontist. You know you're going to get tip-top care. Uh, you are one step away from getting straighter and wider teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, use my dedicated link. Do it right now. Do it and get these pearly white teeth. Doesn't matter if you're not an Adonis of a human being. You can still have pearly white teeth, and that will impress people. I, mean, pearly. <laughs> I got pearly whites too, but you can straighten them. Uh, go to candidcode.com/covefe. C o v f e f e to get 25% off of your modeling kit. Candidco.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, because it doesn't matter if they're pearly white. If they're all jagged and awful, you're not going to be doing very well uh, when you try to meet the honey of your life. Uh, So go there right now. Candidco.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, and straighten out those teeth. Come on, man. First impressions are everything. Okay. So how did the Democrats and CNN respond? You know, in their typically stayed normal way. This is how they responded to Donald Trump saying the very basic thing, something that all of our founders and framers would say, something that all normal people in the history of the United States would say, I support the American nation, I don't wanna give our freedom away to uh, extra, super national organizations. Here's the reaction.
1: A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what, we can't have that. Have a word, it sort of became old fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. All right, so what's your reaction to that, Congressman? My first reaction to that, to that is the synonym to a nationalist is a chauvinist. And uh, that apparently is what this president is. Uh, and to say that. We are better than or, you know, it reminds me of the kinds of words uh, that came from people like uh, Hitler, who thought that in Germany, he was a nationalist.
0: So just to begin, that isn't true. I thought President Trump said it very well in that speech. Uh, what Gregory Meek said is not true. Nationalism and chauvinism are not synonyms. Show, we've heard of chauvinism. You hear of male chauvinism, or this chauvin. It's kind of boastful, prideful, being a uh, braggart about your country or your community. Uh, what it com- it comes from uh, this n- probably apocryphal French soldier Nicolas Chauvin, and he's an apocryphal, probably apocryphal French soldier in Napoleon's army. That isn't uh, nationalism. Nationalism says we protect the country. We defend the interests of a country. We extol the virtues of free nation states that we can interact with. Uh, If we're talking about Chauvin, we're actually talking about the opposite of nationalism. You're talking about imperialism. You're talking about globalism. You're talking about armies that try to go out through the rest of the world, take over other places, conquer other places. That isn't nationalism. And people bandy these terms about I guarantee you Gregory Meeks has no idea where the word chauvinism comes from. But that's what it comes from. Also, uh, the reason I say this soldier Chauvin was probably apocryphal is that we have no record that he existed. And uh, tales of his and the use of the word chauvinism was used by critics of uh, Napoleon, used by critics of bonapartism. So uh, even that, it's, it, it's a term that was invented in derision. It's a term that was invented to be used as an attack. You know, the, the left accuses the right of anti-intellectualism all the time. The right is so uh, much more intellectual than the left. We're skeptical of experts. We're skeptical of intellectuals. But if you're gonna use a word, I, I do find that people on the right know what it means. Of course they do. They use language appropriately. They use language to mean what it means. On the left, they use these slogans all the time. That's why they have political correctness, is to use terms that don't have real meanings or that have perverse meanings or that have meanings that aren't what they purport to be. I I I want to take the opportunity to point this out whenever I can. The right is far more intellectual than the left. How many public policy think tanks are there on the left? The left has the universities. Fine. They have, li- they have taken over the educational system. But how many think tanks dedicated to public policy do they have? Like two, maybe? Brookings is kind of left. I don't know, two or three? How many are on the right? About a zillion. You've got uh, Heritage, you've got AEI, you've got Cato, you've got Hudson, you've got all of these uh, institutions of public policy because the right actually is better about this. We just don't go boasting about it all the time. We're not chauvinists about it all the time, to use their word. Th- this reminds me, I-, I was talking to John Fugel, saying the actor and comedian at Politicon, and uh, I talked about him a little bit yesterday. But he, we were t- arguing about the Bible on Twitter and he thought he got a slam dunk. He said, you haven't read this passage of Numbers to prove that abortion is great and God approves of abortion. And he sent me the passage. I looked at it and I realized one of the words was mistranslated. The word for miscarry, the word that he thought meant abortion, was just mistranslated. So I just Googled all different translations of it. Every other translation was different. It didn't use that word. It was just one poor translation. He, this is the left. They're so intellectually pompous, but they don't have a lot backing them up. They don't have a lot of support. Uh, and I think this is why uh, the the right is so much better at trolling them. You know, comedy requires wit. It, you have to have a quick wit to do it. And uh, uh, President Trump totally trolled Barack Obama the other day. It's because the right is uh is harder, better, faster, stronger, you know, to quote uh, Kanye. This is probably why Kanye likes us. It's why he's got all that dragon energy flowing through them. They're just a little bit quicker, and President Trump used this dragon energy uh, pretty hard on the immigration issue. He tweeted out a video of Barack Obama with uh, the caption that said, I agree with President Obama 100%. Here's the video of Obama. We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally...
1: And those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law.
0: Uh, We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. Uh, Who is that man? Could somebody tell me who that man is and why he's wearing Barack Obama's face as a mask? Why, he really does a good impression of his voice too. How could you, that was Barack Obama, I think from 2005, back before Democrats had completely given way to the extreme fringes of their party by whom they are now held hostage. So you had, obviously, illegal immigration is illegal. It's not that complicated. Uh, Democrats realized that they had to veer hard to the left. They got angry, they got mad, they got stupid. Now they're held hostage by this lawless base. And it's, of course, I agree with Barack Obama there too. Barack Obama agrees with Donald Trump there. I was waiting for Barack Obama to go on and say, that's why we need to renegotiate NAFTA. That's why we got to pull out of the Paris Climate Accord. That's why we have to make America great again. Make America great again, folks. we got to do it. Okay, we're getting totally killed over here, you know? China, China's totally killing us. I don't know. They could go, I could go on for hours. Uh, illegal immigration is a, a winning issue and uh, among the vast majority of Americans, including Democrats. The Democrats made a huge miscalculation when they allowed themselves to be become dependent on and hostage to that extreme lawless fringe of their party. This is why President Trump is running so hard on it. Illegal immigration is a violation. It is a violation of our borders. It is a violation of our laws and our country and our sovereignty and our freedom and our votes. It is a total violation. It's why people of both parties react so strongly to it. It's why Trump is right to run so hard on this. And just before the midterms, again, we were talking about dirty tricks. When we were talking about those suspicious bomb packages, there is a gigantic caravan of illegal aliens crossing up through Latin America that is due to arrive on our border, I don't know, the morning of election day? I mean, the timing is almost perfect. What is this caravan? What is this caravan? Who's behind it? Uh, This is certainly a ploy by the left. We know who helped to organize it. It's leftist institutions and leftist politicians. But it actually sort of plays to both the extreme fringes of the Democrats who now run that party and to the right. Plays more to the right because we've got more people who care about it on that side. But uh, we we know that this caravan, which is now up to something like 14 or 15,000 people, started out as just a couple hundred people in Honduras. Uh, was was begun by this Honduran ex-politician and radio host. He's the host of a, this show called Without Borders, and the organization that has been pushing these caravans for a long time now is Pueblo Sin Fronteras, People Without Borders, as this radical leftist Honduran politician, Bartolo Fuentes. So this guy, Bartolo Fuentes, is involved in this. He's trying to push people up and push illegal aliens into the country. Then a news report uh, in Latin America said that Bartolo Fuentes was going to pay for all of the provisions to get up to the United States, gonna pay for everything. So, you know, to hire a, one of these coyotes, to hire one of these awful human traffickers to get people into the country, that can cost $7,000, $10,000. These people don't have that kind of money. So you, you see a lot of both ambitious and desperate people joining into the caravan to try to uh, make it in without having to shell out 10 grand and do whatever unspeakable acts they would have to do if they couldn't come up with that money. So now you've got 14,000 people descending on the border. The president has to turn them away. And there's an, e- there's an easy way to do this. At every single debate, from now until Election Day, at every single uh, campaign event, at every meeting, at every opportunity, Republicans should ask Democrats if they believe that all of those 14,000 people should just enter the country, should just be allowed to come in, should we open our doors and let them in? because it push, it's a wedge issue. The Democrats are gonna, there's a wedge between the, the radical fringe that holds their party hostage and the demographics that they require uh, to vote for them to get elected. There is a major wedge here. They should hit it every single time because there are a lot of people in, in this caravan that we don't wanna get here. There was, a, there was a report that terrorists, Islamic terrorists are now using the caravan as an opportunity to uh, come in and try to infiltrate the country. Do we know who these people are? Do we have hard proof of this? Of course not. That's the problem That's the problem of illegal immigration if we had proof of who these people were they would be arrested or worse But we don't because lawlessness breeds chaos and it breeds a lot of bad uh, Outcomes by the way the people who are in this caravan the people who are around this caravan are already admitting that there are criminals here Here, here is one of them saying just that
1: criminals is everywhere Okay, uh it's criminals in here. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not that many. I mean, it's, it's good people in here trying to get through uh, through Mexico and then get to the United States, but that doesn't mean that everybody is a criminal, right?
0: Right. Well, technically, everybody is a criminal because they're trying to violate one of the most basic laws of the country, which is uh, you, you can't enter the country illegally. You can't enter and stay there and live there illegally and access services and possibly vote. You can't do those things. That that is a crime. I mean, that is a major crime. If a person's first act, when they get to the country, they're dreaming of the country, they want a better life. I I don't even mean to mock them. I get it. If I lived in Honduras, I'd want to come to the U.S. too. But if their first act as Americans is to violate an essential uh, American law, what kind of citizens are they going to be? We, we don't want those kind of people. You know, President Trump launched his presidential campaign. He said that Latin America is sending uh, criminals and rapists and murderers and bad people. Well, that guy's admitting it. I mean, that guy there who's in the caravan is admitting, yes, some of these people are criminals. There are a lot of criminals. Absolutely. That's the problem. That's why we have to vet people. That's why when... when uh, there are countries that can't adequately vet those who are coming to the United States. We can't let them in. You need order. Americans' lives are on the line, and it is the purpose of the American nation. It is a and basic and primary responsibility to protect American people. So uh, the, the caravan is chugging along. President Trump should pull out all of the stops. This is only a winner for him. There is no downside. There is no downside to this. He should use it as an opportunity to build the wall. He should take all of that foreign aid that used to go to Honduras or Guatemala or to Mexico. He should tax those remittances hard. He should or, or cut them off completely, intercept them completely. Use every single penny to build that wall. It would be a huge political winner, and clearly, it's an important problem. You know, people used to say, "Oh, walls don't work." That's obviously absurd. Uh, I, the Pope said something to that effect the pope guarded by a very important wall that was built by many other popes for precisely the reason that walls work. Oh, we know that walls work very well in countries that are surrounded by people trying to constantly get in, like Israel. Walls do work, but people used to say, oh, illegal immigration isn't a big problem. They are. It isn't happening that much. It isn't affecting the economy. We know it's happening now. We're seeing 14,000 people descend on the country, build the wall. It's, it's both necessary as a matter of practical domestic policy, it's also necessary uh, and foreign policy, I suppose. It's also politically totally advantageous. No reason not to do it. Um, the other Trump troll that came out on Twitter was so good. He's in the same breath. He's so good at this. He, uh, he, he tweeted out, quote, Republicans will totally protect people with pre-existing conditions. Democrats will not. Vote Republican. Love him. Love that tweet. Why did he send that out? Because the one issue that Democrats have thought maybe they can try to run on other than I hate Trump and Trump is Hitler is uh, that uh, health care is going to be taken away if the Republicans hold the Congress and hold the Senate. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's a big campaign issue, but he should run on that hard. Now, some people have pointed out, they've said, well, you know, He's he's missing the premise. If we're talking about pre-existing conditions, then we're not talking about insurance. Insurance is to protect against risks, not against things that we already know that we have. So it has to be a separate program, which is probably just part of the welfare system. And yes, you're right. You're totally right. I totally agree with you. The tweet that President Trump sent out is not precise. It buys into a definition of insurance that we all have to go along with, but which is not correct and not precise. You're totally right. I don't care. I don't care. I do not care. Politics is a practical science. Sometimes you have to uh, use the circumstances that are at your disposal and you have to take into consideration a lot of other factors like timing, like the rhetoric that your opponent is using and like the issues, the core issues that people care about. People don't wanna lose their health insurance. They don't want the government to take over their health insurance either. You've got to focus on that. You're totally right. I hope that we can over time Change the culture, change our vocabulary so that people don't, so that people, first of all, understand what insurance is. Because this isn't just about pre existing conditions. Everybody misuses the word insurance. Insurance is to protect against risk and dangers. Insurance is not to pay for things that we know we're going to pay for. And yet, when you go to your annual physical I don't go to annual physicals, but if I did, uh, you would use your health insurance to process that payment. It's not insurance if you go every year. No, You know you're going to do it, but we misuse that anyway. So I think you're totally right, but politics is a practical science. And speaking of politics as a practical science, Heidi Heitkamp, Democrat in North Dakota, cannot catch a break. And the narrative is breaking so well for uh, conservatives right now, which is why I want to find out the story on this bomb thing. Uh, but it's breaking so well. We'll get to all of that, but if you want to see it, you've got to go to dailywire.com. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? We've got to make a little money, honey. We've got to keep the lights on, even in this awful fluorescent lighting in this hotel that I'm in uh, for my speech tonight uh, as part of the YAF Kofefe on campus tour at Grand Canyon University. Go to dailywire.com. It's 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Klavan show, you get the Ben Shapiro show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get to ask questions in the conversation, you get another kingdom, you get to see the whole thing on Monday. Non-subscribers have to wait just for the audio. They got to wait until Friday. Go subscribe right now. you get got a lot of stuff. Get your questions in for the mailbag. We will be doing that on Friday this week. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. So speaking of politics as a practical science, Poor Heidi Heitkamp, she can't catch a break. She's the one, she's the Democrat senator who published a list of alleged sexual assault victims, published a full-page ad in a newspaper without getting the consent of the people who suffered sexual assault. And, and some people who didn't support her, and people who say we weren't sexually assaulted in the first place. It sent her, her campaign plunging. She had already been 9 or 10 points behind. She dropped to 12 points behind. Now I think she's 16 points behind. Falling apart, but she won't suspend the campaign. And now, James O'Keefe decided to kick her while she's down. I guess he took the Eric Holder advice and just dealt this brutal blow to her campaign. Got her campaign staffers on the record to admit that she's a liar. Here they are. After the election, if and when she gets reelected, she's going to be super liberal. Maybe she wins by 20 points and she's like, okay, maybe I can be a little more progressive. Yeah. If the country moved further to the left, yeah. she would move to the left. Yeah. Like I think if, if
1: we had a democratic senate,
0: um, she would vote for it. More, more policies and you see more Democrats. Yeah. She's like the stuff that I'm being a little safe on now. I'd, yeah. she probably be a little more a little bolder about it. If, if there's a blue wave in uh, in November,
1: I'm sure that her voting records
0: will shift a lot. We'll shift away from the picture. Yeah. I don't like that you took the Obama poster down.
1: Oh. That one was. I that's
0: my. That's one of my favorite pictures ever. I know it's
1: because <laughs> the press was here. We okay. take it down.
0: You know, James just does God's work, doesn't he? just goes in there, and I don't know how he gets them. It's because, you know, you get angry, you get mad, you get stupid. And that's what's happened to Democrats here. So these campaign people will just admit to her. They'll say, oh, yeah, when she gets in, she's going to be super liberal. Oh, yeah. she's talk, You know, right now, I think it's Claire McCaskill. Democrat running in Missouri is running a radio ad saying, I'm not one of those crazy Democrats. Direct quote, I'm not one of those crazy Democrats. They have to run against their own party because they know how unpopular they are. So now they obviously, we all know that Heidi Heitkamp would be a left winger if the Democrats had control of the Senate. Everybody knows that. Of course she would. One, because the parties have gotten much more ideologically uniform, uh, polarized from one another, but uniform within the parties. And because she 's a left winger, yeah, of course she's a left winger. We all know that there 's just something about seeing it though there 's something about seeing these staffers come out and say, "Oh yeah, oh let me t- I was talking to her the other day, oh, she 's going to be big lefty, she 's going hard after Trump. If she gets elected right now she 's lying to the voters, obviously she 's lying to the voters, but you know, once she gets elected, then then she 'll be okay she 's probably not going to get elected as it stands right now, sixteen points down, hard to recoup that in less than two weeks." Uh, But it's just it underscores how the narrative is so important. Seeing it, you know, I watched uh, that that I've watched so many awful left wing movies. The Barack Obama one, South Side with You, the Clarence Thomas movie where he's a monster, you know, and about Anita Hill who's some saint, I guess. I don't know. And the movies are really important because you see it. Now these movies lie. They, they don't tell the truth. They misrepresent the historical record. That JFK movie by Oliver Stone, total historical lies, but you see it, and the narrative sticks with you. So if they can use the narrative and the culture to tell lies, why can't we use the narrative and the culture to tell the truth? This is what happened with the Gosnell movie. You know, it was written by Andrew Claven, it, it starred Dean Cain. Nick Searcy directed it. Zoe Rachel did a great job performing in it, and... Uh, this movie comes out, and it opens pretty big release nationally, 650 theaters, I think. Did very well, outperformed expectations, and, but the theaters are starting to drop it slowly. They don't want this movie about an abortion. Do you remember who Kermit Gosnell is? Probably you don't, because it was never covered by the media. It was, and now they're trying to drop the movie from theaters. Kermit Gosnell is the biggest serial killer in American history. He killed countless babies, unborn babies, then babies that were born. He would deliver babies, he would play with them, and then he would kill them. He, it, I mean, it, I don't even want to get into it. Watch the movie. It is so disgusting and psychopathic the things that this guy did. He finally was revealed because he he uh, injured women in his uh, office, so there was finally, after a while, there was an investigation, but a lot of people knew about it. Politicians covered it up, and the media would not show up to the trial. Now they're trying to cover this up. So there was this, uh, this girl, Kathy Ju, who's a young political commentator. She's on uh, Twitter and all social media. She tweeted this out yesterday. She said, yesterday I was pro-choice. I believe that women should have a say, and the government shouldn't be interfering with our lives today. I'm pro-life. Today, I'm pro-life. After watching Gosnell and doing in-depth research, I finally understand the horrors of loopholes in late-term abortions. Please go watch Gosnell. That's the point. That's the point of making the movie. The point is not to make money. Movies don't make money. Movies almost never make money. All of Hollywood is a scam. You probably already knew that, but it is. Uh, But the point is to change the culture and change the narrative. And the Gosnell movie is clearly succeeding in that. And it's pretty cool that Drew has a hand in that because he wrote the script. Um, we have got to do more of this. We've got to do more of this and not just on abortion. I mean, this obviously, that is such a basic issue that it motivates a lot of people. It's a question of life and a culture of life. But there are a lot of other issues, too, and we should be reclaiming that narrative. It's so important to see harsh truths. We use euphemisms. Even the word abortion is a euphemism, right? Right. It's not, the abortion used to refer to miscarriages, a spontaneous abortion, the, the, the pregnancy would abort. That's not really what we're talking about. Abortion is going in and ending a human life, ending a human life that's already begun. And you're going and making a decision to end it, to kill it. Uh, this is very important for the millennial generation. This is very important for what we call the snowflake generation, seeing harsh truths. This is why it's so insidious to use politically correct language, is it makes you so much more fragile. Even just use, to use the term undocumented, dreaming, future American whatever their new jargon is, instead of illegal alien. I don't say illegal alien to be mean to people. I say it so that we can deal in reality with what the issues are that we're talking about. They're illegal aliens. They're not future undocumented dreaming whatever whatever's. When you use that soft language, those soft euphemisms, you get very frail. You get very easily triggered when someone speaks reality. This is what happened in the 2016 election. There's a new study out. I sometimes worry that we make a caricature out of millennials and the snowflakes. You know that, and I don't want to make a caricature out of them. Uh, But now we have a study to back it up out of Arizona State. They interviewed a ton of students. I think it was seven or eight hundred, so not a huge sample size, but significant of all. All various genders and races and socioeconomic backgrounds, they found 25% of college students have been traumatized by the 2016 election. They're suffering the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. They're really suffering. That's That's not that they're just saying they are and they aren't. They actually are. It is manifesting in clinically high levels of stress because a Republican won the White House, because that's why a republic, maybe a little boorish Republican, maybe a little uncommon Republican, uncommonly successful Republican too, but that's why a, a, a politician that they didn't like won a political office and they are breaking down. They are having nervous breakdowns, PTSD. You've gotta to toughen up, kids. You've got to toughen up. I mean, this is, nobody benefits from this. It is not compassionate to be soft and to treat adults like they are children that isn't compassionate at all. It hurts them, it hurts their ability to interact in the world, it hurts their mental health, their emotional well-being, and certainly it harms society. This is the issue with uh, transgenderism. This is why I think it's so awful and exploitative and cynical for the left to uh, try to push their political agenda on the backs of the very small number of people who suffer from gender confusion. It's awful, it's so cynical, they really shouldn't do it because one, it's leading to a lot more cultural confusion and it's not helping the people who suffer from this condition. There's a major genital reconstructive surgeon, uh, Professor Miroslav which I don't, I don't you know, I'm not great at my Eastern European languages, but anyway, Professor Miroslav uh, has pointed out that there is sex change regret on the rise. He said, "quote Those wishing the reversal of the surgery have spoken about crippling levels of depression." following their transition and in some cases even contemplated suicide. We know this from the numbers, we already know this from the statistics. Uh, The levels of anxiety and depression among transgender people, people suffering from gender confusion, are almost exactly the same after the surgery as they were before. And in some people it can change in either direction. Uh, It isn't helping people to indulge in delusions and to mutilate their bodies for them. There's no evidence that it helps. Anybody. It's it's not helpful to live in lies. Lies are not helpful. The truth is helpful. The truth can be harsh. It can be painful. It can hurt. But the truth will set you free. Uh, We've got to start speaking that way to, uh, to American millennials. They're not, I know it seems sweet and nice and oh, they'll grow up and oh, they'll grow out of it. They won't grow out of it. The way, the way you've got to deal with it is speak harsh language. And it's so awkward because just to use the transgender issue, that's the hottest topic for the left to talk about 0.4% of the population. They love it. They love to make an issue out of it. If you're talking to somebody and they use the wrong pronouns, so for instance you've got a guy who thinks he's a girl or very much wants to be a girl and he says, I want to be referred to as she even though he is he. Your friend on the left, maybe your friend on the left calls him she, and then you call him he. You are, it is so awkward. I've been there. I've been in these conversations. It, it's so awkward, and you just want to give in because it seems nice. Oh, the person suffers from delusions, but let us it's so much easier. It's so much, it is easier. It is easier, but it isn't more compassionate. It isn't compassionate to live in delusion and to confuse an entire group of people. You've now paralyzed an entire generation who's suffering from PTSD for the most trivial of things. I sure hope we don't have to storm the beaches of Normandy again because Johnny Millennial is gonna be quaking in the, I mean, he'll die. He'll literally collapse on the spot. If a presidential election is giving him PTSD, he will die on the spot. He will just collapse. So don't do that. Don't die on the spot. I'm going to be talking to a lot of millennials and post-millennials tonight uh, when I'm at Grand Canyon University for this YAF speech. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've been talking a lot about the simple joys of being right. There are so many more, so many more now. Um, And one one of the simple joys of being right is you can get your questions answered in the mailbag. So make sure you get your questions in by Friday. No show tomorrow, but we'll do a show Friday from New York. So, because uh, I want to be in New York for about five minutes. And uh, so we'll do it from there. It'll be good. I'll get all that dragon energy from Trump Tower. Um, be sure to tune in in the meantime. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Maybe I'll see you at 7 p.m. Pacific tonight at Grand Canyon University. If I don't, I'll see you on Friday. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal, Executive producer, Jeremy Borey. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.